This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, the porncast that stands by it. If your hand can't reach into a Pringles can, you shouldn't be fisting anyone. I'm your host, Alice Vaughn, and with me, I have my gorgeous co-host, Natalia Reagan. Hello. Natalia, how are you doing today? Ah, I'm great. I, I, I mean, hey, how often do I get to sit and watch porn and uh, not masturbate and then talk fully about it? So I'm, I'm very excited. And we have another Justin in the house, which just enough, uh, you know, there's never enough, honestly. I, I can't get enough Justins. Just bring them. Bring them on. This is a joke. For all the Justins I've dated, I'm sorry. I don't think you're sorry. <laughs> you're not sorry. <laughs> I'm a little sorry. I'm a little sorry. But I'm great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Well, this works because we have Justin Young of the Great Night Podcast joining us today. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's oh, me. Great. Um, yet another Justin. <laughs> We've all been talking. We're on a group chat. I was the next on the list. The next Justin sentence to the Two Girls, One Mic podcast. No, I'm, I'm very, very excited to be on. I feel like we're in, we're in similar orbits. So this is really like a, a meeting family you haven't met yet. And I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be on the show. Oh, hopefully you like us as relatives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and as it turns out, keeping familial lines sacred is something that I'm very keen to talk about considering what I watched yesterday. Yes, it could have gone many ways. And I felt like this movie, it did us right. It did us I, right. I agree. Yes, exactly. It could have gone real south real quick. Oh, God. I, my, I was conceived in Kentucky, so I can talk about such things. Anyways. <laughs> I mean, going incestual is kind of weird at times, especially when you think about how many people are related and you don't even realize it. So, for example, I'm about to be married into the same family that uh, Jimmy Kimmel is a distant relative of, as is Henry the Fourteenth. Okay. <laughs> Good. I'll file that away. It's kinky. <laughs> it's very yeah. kinky. Putting that in my notes. Well, now all I'm thinking is, wait, did Jimmy Kimmel get his jobs because of like some Illuminati thing that was started back back yonder? Like, is this like a royal bloodline kind of thing mm-hmm. that, that keeps our elites permanently ensconced in culture? Well, it kind of works out that at least my uh, soon-to-be husband uh, was like the great, great, great grandescendant of like the escort Louis XIV bone. So it wasn't oh. the actual wife. Okay. But um, yeah, great question. Is there Illuminati? And, uh, you know, honestly, I'm just concerned about page six picking this up eventually and saying, pornographer, oh. the lead Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. I just want to point out as a scientist, the chances of your partner uh, having some sort of a really strong incest in there is probably less so because it was the uh, the escort of Henry the Fourteenth, not the wife. Because let's be honest, it probably, I don't know if it was a sister, but it might have been. So I just want to say congratulations, Alice. Yeah, I think that's, I think you're fine yes. there. And I'm also very excited that I have uh, uh, some clickbait chum that I can throw out into the waters just as soon as you get married. Just let me know so I can go <laughs> ahead and, and make sure I put Jimmy Kimmel and pornographer in, in the same headline. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There we go. Finally, that journalism degree I earned will, will finally be worth it as soon as I can immediately sell out our friendship within five seconds of meeting you. Gloria would be proud. <laughs> she would. <laughs> Look, frankly, as a known grifter, I would think <laughs> less of you if you didn't. Okay, mm. good. She's always proud of me when I rob her blind. It's it's the weirdest friendship, you know. If I if especially if I rob her in blind, uh, you know, broad daylight. Where do you think it would run? Because I feel like the slam dunk pitch is Breitbart, but oh, uh, 
you know, but but also I could see it going more highbrow. Like maybe you could take like like a sex positive spin in a more uh, liberal outlet. You can't even aim for the Daily Mail. Come on. I mean, I mean, wait, how many how many degrees of separation are we talking family wise? I want to say like second cousin once removed. Nah, we would need it closer for the Daily Mm. Mail. I I feel like, yeah. We need to put it with like a crying picture of him when he was talking about his son on Breitbart. I feel like that's the slam dunk. Oh, dear. That picture slash some like hardcore pornographic act that in no way has anything to do with you. What's funny though is so kind of going back to the Illuminati concept. Yeah. Not that I I know of anyone in the Illuminati or I'm part of it or sure. that it, it even exists. Just to be clear, that's a great way to start any sentence. Not that I'm I'm not part of the Illuminati, but. There is something to be said about being in certain circles or you meet certain people. Yeah. You know, once you get into some interconnected circles, people meet other people who are really similar and like-minded. Yeah. It's weird. So I could see how the whole Illuminati thing happens where it's like, oh, we're not trying to all like be incestuous with our work. However. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we're being serious, I, I totally agree. You know, it's funny when you look at both in media and in government and even like down to the departments, like if you just like freeze media and government right now and then look at everybody who occupies every position and then look at who their parents are and you're like, oh, wait, almost all of them held very similar jobs that were in very similar things. And maybe it's a lateral movement. Maybe it's a different version of a thing that closed down or or something like that. But there is very much a professional class that kind of continues to occupy different things. And on, on some way, it's like, yeah, you could be conspiratorial about it and say, well, it's because of X, Y, or Z, and it's the schooling, and it's the the social circles or whatever. But at the end of the day, also, it's like, how many people wind up going into jobs that are very much like their parents? You you know, a higher amount than I think are very socially liberal and free kind of minds would, would want to admit that often the path of least resistance is what your mom and pa did. Yeah, except if you're a porn star. I, I would love to see if there is some sort of like my great, great grandpappy. Man, that's interesting. That would make me very happy, but also, oh my God. how do you want, you know, like, right? I mean, then the incest porn actually is incest porn. Oh. Well, I mean, I think that that's a different story, but I would, I, I've, I've long found fascinating parallels between the worlds of pornography and professional wrestling. And in professional wrestling, people are very proud of being second or third generation professional wrestlers. Doesn't seem to be the same in porn. For whatever reason, a a generational legacy is not quite honored. Although an unfilled niche, uh, if I might make an unintended pun in terms of uh, the, the pornography world, because I'll bet you if you had the same name as a, a famous porn parent, you'd probably be one of the biggest porn stars in the world immediately. Oh, that's a good point. By the way, did you know professional wrestlers are considered, um, oh my God, why is it considered in Florida? Um, <laughs> police officers? No. Clergy. Uh, I uh, know uh, this. Uh, essential workers. Oh, well. They're considered essential <laughs> workers in Florida. I don't doubt that. I, w- I would also say biological parents who don't play child support for a shocking <laughs> amount of the state's population. Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I'm from Florida, I'm allowed to say. Mm, mm-hmm. 
And I know at least one person who's almost sure that the fact that, <laughs> that she's sired by a famous professional wrestler and then was put up for adoption. Oh, wow. Oh, John Cena? No, no, no. She wasn't put up for adoption. She was, or her mom just refused to say who her dad was. And she's pretty sure she knows. Oh, my God. I won't say. I won't say who it is. She just speaks in the same cadence as Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's leave it there. Because now I'm, I'd actually betray a personal confidence. But I, 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 we're in the realm. If you were to name 10 professional wrestlers, you'd probably say the man's name. Oh, man. Okay, so you heard it first on this podcast. Hulk Hogan has an illegitimate child. <laughs> Just one? <laughs> I was going to say, Hulk. I feel like the Hulkster's I mean, got a bunch of Hulkamaniacs running wild throughout the greater Pinellas area. I grew up in the San Fernando Valley now, um, which makes me, you know, somewhat of an expert of um, running into strange uh, either actors and or pro wrestlers at the gym. And I used to see him at Gold's Gym all the time. Uh, he did not get me pregnant. I do not have his love child. But I mean, I think at any point in time, my mom used to run into him at the gym. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, Uh-oh. <laughs> I never I never considered. Now, I'll oh. tell you what. And you're like, "Oh my god, that's why I always cut my oh. ear whenever I'm whenever I'm trying to hear oh, no. something." Oh no, man. So that's why I have the urge to body slam Andre the Giant. Oh god, even in death, I just can't I can't watch <laughs> Princess Bride gets me every time. I just end up breaking TVs, body slamming them day in and day out. It's a problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Explains your alcohol tolerance. Laheim. <laughs> but so speaking of people who have too, way too many children, Mormons. So are you too familiar with the term soaking? I am, yes. Did you say soaking? Soaking. Soaking, yeah. I don't know. Actually, I'm not. Tell me. It's where Mormon teens have convinced themselves that putting a penis in a vagina and not moving it doesn't count as sex. That's called soaking. What? Wait, Natalia. This is stranger than the Catholics and the butt sex. Because I, I went to Catholic school and I had a lot of friends that were doing anal instead of the other kind because that wasn't sex. Yeah. They just leave it in there and just let it sit? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. God is like a T-Rex. If it doesn't move, he can't see it. <laughs> so if you just kind of leave it in there, then he's not going to know. His all-seeing eye can't see that. Can I suggest a new name for soaking? Can it be Missionary Impossible? <sighs> <laughs> Maybe? No? Okay, never mind. I'm going to see myself out. That's good. The uh, way I see it is I want to keep it as soaking because if you do it enough times, you become a super soaker. Ah! <laughs> oh, dear That's God. good. I, now I really want to see like a mean girl comedy at BYU and, and you know, like one of them to derisively call, a, you know, the art girl, uh, whatever the art girl passes for in BYU, a super oh. soaker. So the reason this crossed my radar is I learned a new term, which I kind of wish I didn't want to learn, which was the term jump humping. Can any of you figure out what is jump humping? Jump humping? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to take a wild guess here. Uh, shot in the dark. Like, let's say there is a couple and yet they want to save themselves until they're married, which for Mormons, I guess that means they're 16 you know, six months away from the wedding day, but they really want to get their jimmies rustled. So I'm imagining they're both naked. The guy kind of like puts his dong kind of like flat up against his belly, 
hugs his uh, girlfriend and they just jump up and down? No. Okay. Well, Natalia, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, I guess I didn't find the gold plates on that one. You know, hey, look, you, you can't win them all. Let me take a crack at it because I'm, 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 you know, I know my way around a, a sex position. I'm going to be very earnest here. When I first heard jump humping, Alice, what I thought was just a quick jump on the dick and a jump off, kind of like soaking, but it's just a jump on and a jump off. Get in, get out. You're done. You're not fucking. You jump humped. Yeah. So you're close. That's pretty good. I really like that one. Yeah. It's worse than you think. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. Now I'm really excited to know what what worse is defined by. <laughs> so jump humping is when you get someone to jump on the bed next to you while you're soaking to get some friction going on without technically causing the movement. Oh, my God. So there's three people in the room now. Also known as a worst threesome ever. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. That's it. I'll tell you what, man. Number one, the Mormons famously, when they're out proselytizing, they do move in pairs. I can only imagine that these bonds forged in fire uh, transcend all barriers. And so I would love it being a Mormon missionary. If I was trying to keep clean in the eyes of God, I would hope that my best friend was jump humping while I was trying to, uh, uh, you know, live my life. That that is that is a solid move from a good friend. That's the best man at your wedding, right there. The man that jump humps for you would bail you out of jail at three o'clock in the morning. Do they bring it up in the in the speech though? In the toast? Do you bring it up in the toast? I don't know. I mean, I feel like it might be okay if everybody's doing it. Then what's what's the problem? You know. No, I maybe it gets winked at at the bachelor party that they're having at a go-kart track or something. But uh, other than that, it's, uh, uh, I think, verboten at, at the wedding. Okay. But about, is he wearing the outfit, though? Is he wearing the uh, button-up white T-shirt with the black slacks, the black tie, as he's jumping up and down? This added a whole other layer of kink to it that I'm really into. I'll tell you what. I mean, if you're coming right off the road and, and next mm-hmm. thing you know, it's an immediate soak situation. Yeah. I wonder, like, how does that work? Do you text your friend? Is your friend there the whole time? Like, is there like a cacao? I feel like, a storm kind of like, brewing. Like, yeah. Get ready for rain. And, and also, what's the proper cadence for a jump humper? Like, are are you kind of like trying to get like big bounding bounces? Like, are you are you doing the kind of like like feet stamp? Like you're crushing grapes? Like, mm, yeah. <laughs> Where I think the soaking is missionary impossible, I think this is missionary possible because I think there is a chance for uh, completion, um, completing the mission, if you will. That is, I think, a positive. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for that. I, I want to see them have theirs. I'm also for one of the commercials. You remember those uh, commercials for like memory foam mattresses mm-hmm. where they have like a <laughs> glass of wine and the guy's like jumping up and down on the bed where it's like, like, that's like, this is so good that this soaker like has no effect. It's like, he's trying to jump up like the Dickens and boy, howdy can, again, his buddy not get any kind of friction at all. That's a memory foam that'll, that'll do you right. Did we just write the best mattress commercial for a Mormon audience? <laughs> I believe we just did. I think this is the, okay. Purple. What is the other mattress? Oh, no, yeah. All, Purple all, all, and, yeah. all the parents. Uh-huh. Yeah, all, all the parents are like, yeah. oh, okay, you think hey. you're slick, don't you, kid? Hey. No, no, no. I bought him a Tempur-Pedic. That'll show him. <laughs> I know. I, I'll tell you what. Your buddy's going to have to put his foot right in the back of your shoulder blades, <laughs> mister. 
You might you might herniate a disc before you get any kind of extra friction. Oh dear God. Dear God, this is the worst kind of third wheel. Also, your comment about do you say this at the wedding? This like brought into my brain like, you know, like always the bridesmaid, but never the bride, you know, always the jump humper, but never the soaker. Mm. <laughs> You yeah. know there is that friend there that's is. always uh-huh. a jump humper, but never to soak. I just want to get soaked. Now I I don't want to see the mean girl comedy. I kind of just want the like coming of age Wes Anderson story where where there is you know I would I would imagine him to be the like Jonah Hill character. I mean obviously back you know like super bad era Jonah Hill mm-hmm. character that is that is always the jump humper, never the soaker. God, I think this can happen, actually. I think this, I mean, make some calls. I think this absolutely could be made. It's the time. (laughs) There's an audience for it. We'll be there. The three of us. Seth Rogen, take our call. (laughs) Yeah. Unblock me. I don't even have your number, but I assume you've pre-blocked me. Come on. Well, as soon as you get inducted into the Illuminati after your marriage, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there'll be a cocktail party where you can make this happen. It'll at least be a Simpsons episode with there a you poop. Go. <laughs> you try Seth Rogen. I'm going to try Hulk Hogan. We, we, within Between the two of them, we're going to find somebody yeah. to make our super soaker jump <laughs> humping film. Soaker. Jesus. <laughs> so speaking of films, we, were, we watched a porn this week. <sighs> Which I feel like is odd for me, but not for the two of you, for, <laughs> because this is the, the whole point of the podcast. I hadn't done it this in a while, so this is the first porn I've watched in some time. It felt, it, I actually, I'm not going to lie, I had to ease into it. It was jarring at first, and I, that comes from me, of all people. <laughs> Mostly for me, the jarring part was the fact they had a budget, you could tell. I mean, they certainly had a budget for three sets, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, because they, they certainly got the most, uh, well, no, it was a lot more than that. There was, they yeah, even had that salon. The salon set that you only saw once, so. Yeah, I was thrilled to to be asked to be on the podcast, and and given my choice, I picked the married, definitely not married with children, XXX parody, which I was I was very happy to because Married with Children is one of my favorite sitcoms growing up. I, wa- I I wanted to pick things that I knew I was at least familiar with, like uh, that was that was my strategy. I wanted franchises I was earnestly interested in. And, and Married with Children was one of them. So Married with Children, why is it one of your favorite shows? You know, it was in its heyday when I was coming of age to, from like that, like 10, 11 through 13, 14 like era. So it's like old enough to understand sex jokes, old enough to understand transgressive comedy. And Married with Children had... A lot of that, some of which has aged exceptionally well, others has not <laughs> aged well at all, but they certainly were going for it at all times. And that was, even when I was a kid, very apparent. It also happens to have, it is like a David Faustino away from having a like pristine murderer's row of sitcom actors with uh, Ed O'Neill and Katie Segal and Christina Applegate. Like it's just got such an amazing cast. And then also I think it was perfect for me growing up because it's a very classic show in a way that almost even seemed old fashioned at the time. If it weren't for the fact that the new thing was that all the characters were kind of fucked up and bad. Like they were kind of like mean to each other and selfish. Uh, And so it didn't quite have the wholesome element of like a a honeymooners or or I love Lucy or something like that, but there was very much those old tropes of like 
well, you don't fuck after you're married and like the, the, the beat up father, like always being put upon. Uh, so there were these very easy to grasp handles to kind of get into the show. But I, I think it's, it's actually one of the more underappreciated comedies of its era because I think nobody really wants to kind of claim it and say like, Oh, well this is my favorite show. But when you look at some of the shows that have kind of become hits afterward, like always sunny or something like that, I really think that they all owe a huge debt of gratitude to married with children. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, what was amazing to me was doing research on a show. Um, I didn't realize that the working title to the show was literally not the Cosbys because the Cosbys oh, yeah. were the first black affluent loving family on TV. And the Bundys were one of the first like white poor hated each other. And yeah. the story arc was supposed to be the opposite of the typical sitcom, which the typical sitcom, you know, Something's fine. Something bad happens. They all find a way out of the predicament. Where's it married with children? It's they're miserable people. Something good finally happens to them. And in the end, it gets taken away. They go back to their misery. Yep. Yeah. I think we're the same age, Justin. I'm I'm 42. So like for me, it was the same sort of time. Yeah. Like well, age yeah, 10, we're, we're, in, we're in the same, same age. We're in, in uh, spitting distance. Yeah. Yeah. So and I, I grew up, I went to high, uh, junior high with Michael Faustino. David's brother. Uh, oh, but- <laughs> look at that! But I remember. Uh, well, damn! That, now I made I made the one the one joke about David Faustino, and I had ah, oh, jeez, all right. Well, funny enough, I met him. Salute the- to David Faustino. Right? He, uh- <laughs> he, he did great on the show. He just didn't quite have the career of the rest of the cast, but they had some of the best careers ever. Exactly. No, I mean they all kind of went on to do great stuff, and I, I worked on um, the Drew Carey show for many years mm-hmm. in my like late teens, early twenties. And Jerry, I got to give a shout out to Jerry Cohen, who directed. He was an AD, and he also directed a lot of. Mary- with children episodes and I remember you know a lot my mom hated that show yeah <laughs> my dad liked the show it was like because my mom my mom is you know just a, a strong feminist she didn't kind of understand she understood but she didn't like the satire of it you know and I just having worked in sitcoms in during that time like you know after married with children I knew so many writers so many showrunners trying to make the next married with children like war at home yeah I remember working on several pilots afterwards that all they had the same note they wanted to to be the next Married with Children. And it, so it was one of those shows that never really quite, I think, gets the same praise thrown at it that many other shows do of that era. Um, but I think it definitely deserves, you know. And I did meet David Faustino at the Coldwater Canyon Chili Cook-Off in 1992. I remember exactly what I was wearing. <laughs> That's prime Faustino. It That's was. That's prime Faustino. I also met Corin Nemec <gasps> of Parker Lewis Can't Lose. <laughs> That same day. <laughs> so it gives you an idea. But like, we all were in love with- Holy know, like, shit. That's a great 1992 sighting. That, yeah. That's a hell of a day. I would have liked to uh, soaked and uh, jump humped <laughs> with those two. <laughs> Kirk Cameron could have held the camera as he cried in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Peeling a <Yeah>. banana. <laughs> <laughs> These are all uh, deep cuts of Kirk Cameron. Uh, but anyways, in fact, it was funny when Alice was like, did, did you ever see Married with Children? And it was like, what? Are, are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's funny because the show had a transgressive streak, obviously. But I don't know. The reason why I think all the clones failed was that like nobody could really match that cast? I mean, like like Ed O'Neill is such an icon as Al Bundy, in the most like all kind of icons are. 
it's effortless. Mm -hmm. And so you just think you can kind of plug and play other people in that role. But it's like, as we've kind of seen as his career has gone on, he is just a singular force. Also, it was just kind of perfect for that era of a Fox, you know, where they would also, it was also like weirdly uh, fourth wall breaking. Mm -hmm. Like they would always make fun of Fox and how Fox was for poor people and nobody could get it. And like how it was all lowest common denominator horseshit. And because they were like this, like white trash, lower middle-class family, they were really into it. And it was like, I don't know. There wasn't, there wasn't a ton of that happening. You know, it's, it's funny that you say that it was part of that perfect era of Fox when Actually, when you look at the history of Married with Children, it never had a huge rating success. And it's Oh no. No. And part of the problem that the series faced was that actually many areas of the country were only able to get Fox through low quality UHF channels in the early 1990s. Actually, to give you guys an idea, so Fox was such a new channel. Um, there were three dominating uh, networks at the time, and Fox wasn't what it is today where you could find it on any um, like basic cable programming. To give you guys an idea of how Fox had so little partnerships at the time, so the show ran from, I want to say, uh, 87 to 1997. Ed O'Neill's hometown didn't have its own Fox affiliate, until like 1998. Mm. So a lot of Ed <laughs> O'Neill's family and friends actually thought he was famous for beer commercials at the time. That's funny. That's, That's funny. Wild. Huh. Yeah, you know, I mean, the history of Fox is really, really fascinating. And it's probably something that won't, that doesn't get talked about a lot because it would mean kind of praising Rupert Murdoch, who I don't feel like a lot of people are are excited to tell a hero's journey for, but oh, I think no. it is like a remarkable thing. We could talk about his efficiency, but talk about the neg negative. Yeah. 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 It's not going to get talked about as much, but the fact that we had three channels and then all of a sudden we had four and, you know, luckily Ooh. for me, I grew up in, in a lot of major media markets, so I never had to worry about it. But you you watch, there's like a few famous gags in Married with Children where they're like watching cops or somebody's watching cops and like Bud has to stand in the back of the room because that's how they get the UHF <laughs> signal. And if he moves, then like it, it, it goes fuzzy. So that was a running gag. So Justin, how would you describe Married with Children for someone who's never seen it before? Married with Children is uh, the story of Al Bundy, who is a put-upon women's shoe salesman. <laughs> he has a real battle axe of a wife, Peggy, who uh, does uh, nothing much, doesn't have a job, likes to spend his money. He's got a what you would describe in the early 90s as a slutty daughter and probably in 2021 would call a sex positive free spirit. Yes. And then he has a dipshit son who I think you could call a dipshit in 91 and call a dipshit uh, in, in, in 2021. That will still age well 10 years from now, mm -hmm. I promise you. It's evergreen. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a dipshit. Uh, they all rely on, on Al Bundy and uh, he barely makes his way through life because he is, you know, really not unlike many male sitcom dads he is kind of constantly faced with challenges, but Al is not quite the pure soul that, uh, you know, a Homer Simpson or, or something would be, or even his, 
his more recent work with Modern Family. Like he he is just kind of like a selfish dude, but loves his family. And that's ultimately the backbone of the show is unlike the Cosbys who constantly will learn lessons from each other. Uh, the most heartwarming moments of Married with Children is when one of them is finally kind of pushed too far, or put down too much, and the entire family goes and beats up a bunch of people together. And that's really like the only moments where we see the family kind of together and united is when they finally face too much and, and enact physical violence on their on those that would dare defy them. They just need a common enemy, you know? It's kind of like... <laughs> yeah. Everybody. That was, that was pretty much it. But even then, it's like, you know, this is... I guess it, if it started in 87, that's pre-Roseanne, right? Roseanne was 87, so. 88. So they were contemporaries for sure. Mm -hmm. Roseanne definitely inspired the series, according to the creators. Okay, yeah. Then, then Roseanne had just popped, and that was the first time that we really saw a focus on lower middle class to lower class white people on television. I mean, there had been obviously stories of of black families in in the 70s that were on like good times and stuff like that where it was more that socioeconomic era but Roseanne really broke the mold on that and and married with children took a more subversive kind of take on Roseanne which was funny because I don't think that that would be the natural inclination because Roseanne was thought of as very subversive at the time so to go kind of a, a darker than a dark show was probably interesting for the time, but now you look back at it and you're like, oh no, there was definitely room for, you know, married with children. I just checked. Roseanne debuted in 19, or uh, yeah, 1988. So I bet you anything they probably influenced one another. I know it was inspired by Roseanne's comedy. Ah, least, so okay. That or Sam yeah. Kinison. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that that's fascinating because they, they both, I mean, they were both revolutionary for the idea. And, and even afterward, like, we still don't have a lot of shows about poor white people. Or just poor people in general. Shameless is the best one I can think of, is, is Shameless. Shameless Ooh. is a great one, yeah. Also in Chicago. Most of the shows that we have about poor white people are docu-series and they're pregnant teenagers. Or pornography, which I guess we're, we're at the intersection of. There we go. Let's be frank. Once we get into, you know, um, pregnant at 16 culture... At that point, I mean, once you get on that series, are you that poor anymore, considering the contracts you sign? Uh, wait, hold on. Have you have you seen what reality people actually get paid? They yes, don't, you yeah. can very no. much. You can very much, very easily okay. still be poor. I have no <laughs> idea what reality TV show get people get paid. All right, well, take this back to the Illuminati when you when you finally get in initiated. But no, reality TV pays nothing. I haven't signed the blood oath yet because I have hepatitis. I'm sorry. Now you'll have a fun thing to take <laughs> to the first mixer to let them know how the pores work. But like, yeah, no, no. In all seriousness, reality television doesn't pay shit. I mean, like television in general doesn't pay shit compared to what it what it did back in these days, back in the 90s, where it was like, David Faustino is probably still spending Married with Children money, but these days, no, absolutely not. That's, I mean, I was going to say, uh, Alice, I believe it or not, I did not get rich on $10 million Bigfoot bounty. I know it's hard for you Fuck. to believe. I know, I know, I know this, this, <laughs> this, look at, I mean, I, look at this ravishing uh, home with my 
Charles Darwin in a bathrobe puppet. Uh, no, I did not get rich. I, a lot of non, uh, on reality TV is non-union um, for the people on it and for the people working. You know, usually all of the crew can be non-union as well, depending. And and that's what, you know, and, and fortunately unions have lost a lot of power too in the past 20, 30 years, especially uh, like Screen Actors Guild. Yeah, you know, the way that you were really, and I've had a couple of friends that work in reality television. I've pitched a few reality television pilots or been part of that process. And um, the way that you used to be able to make real money is by having a thing that you own that people then go to because you're on television. So, you know, one of the classic examples was on one of the real, on, on the Real Housewives shows, one of them had the skinny girl vodka line. And so that blew up because it was just, that was what they were drinking on this very popular show. And so even if they weren't making a ton of money comparatively, at the very least, you know, they were getting product placement. Immediately once that happened, all the contracts for the new reality shows were like, all right, let's identify anything that might actually make you money. Yep. And we also get a cut of that if it becomes really popular. Well, that makes sense because especially if you produce a consumable, you could sell a lot of that, you could market and promote that, but you're not directly funding necessarily the manufacturing, production, distribution, or anything of that. You're just making a piece of the pie because you're putting it out there on, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, so I'm with you now. Yeah, you know, you, there's no way. I mean, I would estimate in a season, you're talking more in the tens of thousands maybe for having a camera in your face while you're a pregnant teenager for three months, maybe, you know, anywhere between 10 and 20,000, I would, I would guess. Ah, okay. So that sucks. <laughs> so not exactly generational wealth. It's certainly enough that you can buy a fine Corolla if, if I mean, after taxes. Funny enough, Justin, that's what I drive. <laughs> it's, it's a 2003 uh, Toyota POS, uh, but that's but you're absolutely right. No, I, I that's what I do for a living. I pitch like that's I pitch shows, and it's like yeah. In your contract, they what they negotiate even when you're in the very beginning process is like trying to make sure that you get enough of the cut of the back end of if any sort of you know uh, spinoffs or books or things yep. like that. You want to have a piece of that because otherwise you might get they will come for screwed. everything, everything, and and it's not. Not, it's usually it's the production company just as much as as the network that yeah. will everybody wants their wants to wet their beak yeah. as as Fanucci once did. Ain't no one's taking my Corolla. Yep. So getting into this porn parody for a sec. So let's summarize it on what was the plot here? Because we had a couple things going on. By the way, I want to just speak very quickly to the production of this. It was done very well from a production standpoint. The audio quality was audible throughout the whole thing. They had multiple sets. The actors looked like they were supposed to. So they had a budget, clearly. So if you're looking for a parody, this actually, I would say, lives up to it personally. But let's talk about the actual synopsis of this. Yeah, so uh, this parody centers around, like a Married to Children episode, Al Bundy. So Al, Al is, uh, has a rival at the shoe store who is a real son of a bitch and he keeps stealing Al's sales. He is also more sexually potent than Al Bundy is, who is a traditionally impotent by way of marriage character, although constantly horny for uh, other women. He 
needs to banish this rival so he can keep his job. And in the meanwhile, his useless family continues to throw roadblocks in his way. They kind of orbit the story along with their uh, shrew neighbor, Marcy, who is constantly on the verge of a divorce. Poor Ted. So I had a couple thoughts. So the first thought was at one point, Al's competitor at the shoe store had given Al a pair of like salon tickets to treat himself for a spa day. And Al gives it to his son for safekeeping. His son goes ahead and uses them. Now, what's interesting is that in the porn, they have the son, Bud, have kind of like a vision of him like having an orgy uh, yeah. and then wake up really uh, kind of like sleep jerking off into a sink in front of women. Yeah. And that made me ask myself, does this exist? <laughs> sleep jerking. It exists. It's called sexomia. Okay, so this is people that wake up jerking off. But is it sleepwalking as well that you're standing up while you're doing it or? Can women do it? Yeah. Great. Actually, okay. they can. Yeah. No, it's not gender specific. Noted. So it's a type of parasomia. Uh, parasomia is um, the result of your brain being caught between sleep stages. This is a phase between you where you might act like you're awake when you're still asleep. And people with sexomia experience sleep related sexual behavior Everything from masturbation to sexual intercourse. And funny enough, the treatment for underlying sleep disorders and behavioral issues treats sleep sex too. It's super rare. I looked into it. I was only able to find two studies. It's not clear how common sexomia is. It's considered rare. One study found 8% of people in a Canadian sleep disorder showed symptoms of it. Men were three times as likely uh, than women to have this disorder. Women who displayed it were more likely to masturbate in their sleep. And then I found one other study in which out of 832 participants in a Canadian study, only four expressed concerns about sexomia during consultations with sleep specialists. So as a whole, out of the sleepwalking community, which is already exceedingly rare, you have this like small fraction of people that bone in their sleep. Can I make a confession? Yes. I'm one of them. Why didn't you bring it up sooner? <laughs> so here's the deal. I, I was a sleepwalker when I was a kid. It kind of went away as I became older. But the most colorful time that I was specifically, specifically in that sexomia situation is I was in a failing relationship. I had a dream that I was cheating on my girlfriend. I woke up and my girlfriend who was in the bed next to me said, wow, that was great sex last night. Uh, uh. At which point I kind of realized that this was the end of the relationship and it ended shortly thereafter. Stop. You <laughs> no actually bullshit. had an episode? I'm not kidding. No, I'm not. I, I, am, I am in no way kidding. Yeah. I am in no way kidding. That that definitely happened. Wow. I had heard that it was, I didn't know it was so rare. I I, I had heard that it happened more more often. I'm going to, as a scientist, I need to make a one like just, first of all, it was done in Canada. Those are the most polite people on this planet. 
I don't see them confessing that very often. Oftentimes people don't necessarily talk about these sorts of things unless it's yeah. going to be a problem. And if it's not an actual, actual problem in their relationship or they might not just want to talk about it. It's embarrassing. You know, there's a lot of things that yeah. go undiagnosed because it's like, I don't want to go to the doctor and be like, I jerk it in my sleep. You know, I, I had sex with someone and didn't even know I was doing Because then also that could be like, well, was it consent? You know what I mean? Like it opens doors to, oh shoot. Oh, it you? does. Yeah, I mean- uh, what do you do? It's been used as a defense in rape trials. I'm not even joking. See? I mean, that's, oh, oh, God. Yeah. It was not a pleasant experience. I've told that story in a funny way because it did pain as comedy and this one led mm -hmm. to the end of a relationship and that's always funny. But it was kind of terrifying. Like whenever, it, uh, and, and it's happened a few times since then with committed partners. So like it's never been, an issue, but it certainly is not something that I particularly enjoy when it happens. Like it's, it's not great. Yikes. If you are a sleep expert, uh, write in info at two girls on mic. We're going to hook you up with Justin because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll spill all. I feel like the other Justin, Justin Lay Miller might actually be someone to talk to. He's a, a wonderful guy that works at the Kinsey Institute that I don't know. I feel uh, like he might, mm -hmm. he might do it. This might be, too specialized for him because mm. this is also treating a sleep disorder. Mm -hmm. True. Mm. So right. the good news is, you know, it is something that's studied. The good news is also based on the evidence. It is treatable potentially. So that's something that you can now look into. And I have no idea how health insurance covers that. It's okay now. Like uh, me and my wife have been together for a while. So she, she knows the deal. She knows at any moment, day or night, <laughs> like it just, it just might be on. <laughs> just seem like, yeah, just ready. Although now, but for real, now she knows it enough that she could just bat me away. You know, she'll just, she just knocks it off. Like when she's trying to push me, if I'm snoring, like it's just like, no, watch your hands, old so sleep, funny. <laughs> sleep creep, <laughs> sleep creep. Ah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's another new position uh, done by the Mormons is the, the old sleep creep. The old uh, sleep creep. Where you yeah. just, you tuck your, your, your hot dog in, in a woman's buns and just hope she doesn't notice. And there yeah. you go. The old sleep creep. There you go. <laughs> hope she doesn't notice. But you stay still. <laughs> and just, oh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. If you don't move, it's okay. It's, it, exactly. it's like it didn't and you, happen. And you, and, you just, <laughs> and you just hope that she just believes that she backed up into a glow stick. <laughs> Oh, don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> it could be an impressive glow stick, like the ones that they guide planes with. Oh, like, like a lightsaber? Yeah. Oh, those Yeah, things. it could be a lightsaber. <laughs> I mean, not in canon, though. Jeez, Louise, that would do some damage. Ow. No, 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 no. <laughs> so the second thing that stood out from uh, to me from this porn was uh, towards the end of the film, you have Kelly, who decides to, uh, the Christina Applegate character, who bones a convict. Now that, that is a she very- She got condict. Exactly. That's a very married with children plot line. Like, and, and let me just say this. This is very faithful to married with children. Yes, it All is. the characters do very married with children characters things. I was nervous when I picked it because I'm like, <laughs> all right, all the hot people are going to be related. Like, I know that the porn industry isn't always sacred about this kind of stuff. And maybe it, there's just going to be a big old family orgy or something like that. Uh, but no, everything was kept to them banging people that were 
that were not in the family and uh, uh, they were, it was all character specific. Even the Al Peggy scene, which famously they don't fuck like, uh, or it is exceedingly rare that they fuck, but they even create a uh, device by way of, of, I mean, the, a very eighties, a uh, version of like a Spanish fly, which I feel like now we kind of understand to to just sort of be like you know GHB or Rufinol or something like that. If you think about it, every, this is what the one thing that struck me by the end of the movie: every person that actually did have sex, except for Marcy, I don't think she had a mint. Everybody had a mint. No, no. Wait, well, what? Al, no. Al and Peggy did. Bart did. The the chick in the shoe store did. Bart. Oh, yep. Oh, and and guess what? Okay. Bud Bud did not because Bud just uh, he jizzed on a sink. So I just uh, J- yeah, Bud <laughs> jizzed on a sink. It was the Tommy Wiseau lookalike or the stripper guys. You got to see the movie just for the Tommy Wiseau lookalike. If you're familiar with the room, he was a Tommy Wiseau lookalike. I was trying he to figure did, out. Was, yes, he was. Yeah. And he, I, I don't know if you saw his O face in the very first time that he owed. It was, uh, I, I'm not gonna get that out of my head for a long time. This face. Yeah, he was very a very animated character when it came to that. The one thing that I thought was funny was there's a gag where a stripper for Marcy. First, it's a another chick that's there for the stripper that blows the stripper and then pukes his cum into one of Bud's sweaters. But it's like a gag. <laughs> it's it's gag come, not gag in the throat, but gag is <laughs> in the, for it, joke, <laughs> which is for for a movie where everybody else is legitimately getting cummed on. <laughs> it seemed odd that this was where it's like like I don't know. I don't think there's a union, but I don't think that there was any like union rep saying like you only got six pops in this picture, so make them count. Like you, we gotta fake this cum shot. <laughs> I did like how that sweater was definitely a Cosby sweater. Mm. I was afraid the dog was going to lick it up personally. I'm now concerned. Yeah. What does Tommy Wazoo do in his off time? And was he actually in this porn? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of feel like he would have tried to slip in a line if it were really old Tommy was so. I, I don't mm. I don't think I think that the, the stripper was an exceptional for porn parodies. He was an he exceptional said, character actor. He was he really was just good. kind of like he was fairly silent. He just stood there with a big gigantic grin. He was like a Glenn Danzig meets Gene Simmons meets Tommy Wiseau. If they all had a threesome or yeah. you know, a super soaker uh, jump hump and fest, that's what you yeah. get is that stripper. And he said a few lines. I don't know if you listen closely, but they were they were grunt a lot of like grunting. He was sure. he was very visceral. Instead of like you're blowing me, he was like you blow me. I don't know if he was oh, of really? the country. He might have been from somewhere else, but he had a kind of a I don't know if it was an you accent. You blow me. It was like you blow like yeah. You I think it was yeah. you suck it. It was it was very it was just like oh okay. Oh okay. That is something that's always very funny about these porn parodies and especially the ones that have budgets and and you can tell uh, credit to all the actors by the way mm-hmm. because all the actors were very committed to doing impressions of these characters and like, you don't need to do them. You don't need to do great impressions in these movies. So it's like a salute to them to doing it. But there is always that funny moment where like, as soon as the the sex kind of crosses a certain level, now you're just people fucking. Like there's not a lot of <laughs> character work or scene work that's happening like while the fucking's going on. 
I feel like the Star Wars one, there was some character work, especially with Chewie, but like there was some, I mean, most of the time you're right, it's just the people. Uh, I will say that the second the show, the, the porn started, I thought, how did they get Norm MacDonald to play Al Bundy? I mean, like that guy looked just like Norm, just like Norm. And I was like, no, 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 no. You might be seeing ghosts because he recently passed. I don't I know, know if he looked quite like Norm. <laughs> I think he looked the a little bit. The old chunk of coal. Oh. You know what? At least he got to see one more 9-11. There we go. Oh. At least he did. At least he did. <laughs> R.I.P. What, what a legend, Norm MacDonald. Now I, we're, oh, geez. You know, I we're know. here trying to have a good time talking about Sorry. Marcy getting railed by a stripper in the Married with Children XXX board parody. And, and now we're just thinking about Norm MacDonald. Oh, I'm sure Norm would have wanted his memory to be discussed on a porn parody podcast. Yeah, he's looking down, smiling. You know, he's not smiling. He's very confused and <laughs> it's like, yeah, I expected this. I mean, then again, I, I would have the hots for a young Ed O'Neill, so that's not even a question. But yeah, everybody was exceptionally true to their character. Uh, but I kind of want to go back to the convict for two seconds because yeah. I decided then to be bored and look up. How hard is it to escape from jail? <laughs> Mm. Okay. Okay. Between 1978 and 2014, how many people do you guys think have uh, successfully escaped from captivity? Just, just a question. Thirty. So made it out of jail or were free and never found again? We can quantify this as successfully escaped from captivity, and then we could discuss the details of how the statistics are formed. So if we're just talking about people that that made it out of jail, I will say that when I was a young reporter, I covered a case where this happened, and and I, I will save the details until after we get all the all the information. So I I would imagine that it's not the rarest thing on the planet, but it's probably less than people think. So I would say. So what what are what is the the time frame again? It's a thirty six year period. So seventy eight right, to two thousand fourteen. 30 years, 36 years. All right, I'm going to do some some quick math here. This is the podcast about math. I will say 900 people. 900 people escaped in that time. No, Natalia. I'm going to go with 400 escaped, 32 actually remained, never caught. So uh, more than a quarter of a million people have successfully escaped from captivity <laughs> from 78 to 2014, specifically 260,000 <laughs> 297 prisoners. Wow. Uh, it turns out, Natalia, our faith in the American prison system was misplaced. <gasps> we really had a, a high hopes. High, uh, high hopes. I mean, we looked staggering uh, a monument to efficiency and, and, and quality, and, and, and we, were, we were let down. All I can think about is how many convicts have I slept with? <laughs> 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 escape uh, convicts. Escape convicts. Are you better say, than porn, yeah. Christina Applegate? The answer's no. Uh, no, that's your right. Thank you. Uh, wow, that's that's a lot of people. So I was a young reporter in Allentown, Pennsylvania, or more specifically a bureau in Lehighton, Pennsylvania. This was one of the best stories that I ever covered. A convict escaped because he grabbed the wig off a transitioning prison guard who I was on this story because I was covering that element of it. 
And this guy escaped because he grabbed her wig and choked her with it and was able to escape from prison. He was caught, but that was the story that I covered for the Allentown Morning Call circa 2004 or so. Did this prison guard die? No, she was, okay, uh, she was, she was okay. Oh man. But, uh, certainly it was, it was not fortuitous because, uh, she had fought very, very hard to be allowed to keep her job Ugh. in a men's prison as a trans female. So it was less than ideal. That's terrible. Although, I mean, maybe in, you know, beyond the, the, you know, questions that anybody might have about, uh, trans rights, maybe not the wig. At that job, at, in that in that moment, I can understand maybe going forward that 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 might be a good rule to not put possible weapons with desperate people in the in the same room. I'm never gonna look at a wig the same again. Yeah, <laughs> man, this 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 podcast has range. Yeah, this is uh, it's got range. Oh man! So I guess it was a lot more common. I should I should have went with my instinct that that it was it was a lot and not a little. Yeah, so funny enough, I looked into it, and the overwhelming majority of these escapes were from state correctional facilities rather than high-security federal prisons. I think, like, total out of all those quarter million people I mentioned, only like 5,000, 5,700 were from federal detention uh, facilities. Everyone else was essentially from a state correctional. But a lot of them also... Um, so here's a challenge. A lot of them are considered AWOL, and that in figure includes people who violate terms of parole or dish or ankle bracelets. Okay. Mm, okay. So, yeah, you're going to have like 0.15% of the total state prisoner population who, quote, escapes. Obviously, on a state level, it could be a lot smaller. Like, I think in 2014, like, New York's total prisoner population who escaped was like 0.0%. 4%, which was like 22 people, but it was like ankle bracelet people. Ah. So it was like, all right, you were already out of prison going through the routine. Actually, at, at that point, I'm curious, how do you remove an ankle bracelet? And <laughs> like, how do you escape that system? So if you have right in, I'd love to know. If you've escaped from an ankle bracelet, man, that, I'll tell you what. All right, my buddy Brian has a has a, <laughs> a channel on on YouTube called The Modern Rogue. I feel like that'd be a great episode. How to yes. escape? Can you escape from an ankle bracelet? Like sitcoms have, have said to. things like, "Oh, put a piece of ham in between, and it feels like flesh, so you could drink." Like, how true is this? Have we have a had a MythBusters episode on it? Do you have to warm mm. up the ham, like get it to like a good, you know, 98 degrees, you know, like some warm ham? Yeah. Do you have to leave it on a barely on oven? So this, yeah. Does the skin have to be on the ham? I'm just kidding. There's a lot of questions. Or maybe just a sweaty shed. I know. What do you, what do you, how do you account for the hair that might be on your ankle? You know, like uh, pubes, you pluck them. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like that would be a good, yeah, no, that'd be a good thing. I should actually talk to Brian about it. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm just saying, uh, yeah, go get back to us. If you pluck pubes and you stick them onto a ham, how much can that resemble human flesh? There's only one way to find out. It really depends on the human flesh. <laughs> Although I would, I would guess that uh, uh, if you picked pubes and put it on ham, it would probably just look like, like pubes. Pubes like on ham. Just, 
Yeah, it would just look like you had a had a bit of a rash. I guess depending on the cut of ham you have, you know. I mean, if it's if it's if it has a real pink uh, 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 hue to it, then, oh, then maybe yeah. it'll look like you just got sunburned. Are or we something. talking honey baked? Are we talking? You know, I mean, just regular old roasted. I don't know. There's yeah. a lot of ways you can do it. This is the Harvey Weinstein of hams. Oh my God, Har- Harvey Swinestein. <laughs> also, that's good. I'm sorry. Uh, also, also. I feel like it'd be way easier to just kind of shave your face than it would be to pluck your pubes. Like, like I don't want to take it, take anything away from anybody, but I feel like just a quick electric razor on your cheek will get you where you need to go more than yanking out your dick hairs one by one. I just feel like your pubes are going to come, going to be a little bit more like the hair on your, your ankle than maybe your face hair. Perhaps I'm getting more technical with this. Maybe I'm thinking as a woman that that's where I have the most coarse hair versus like the hair on my face. The most coarse hair. Speak for yourself, Alice. Yeah. Clearly. If I let this beard grow out, I'm telling you, I'll rival, <laughs> I'll rival Justin over there. Exactly. Or the convict. That guy, he was, uh, he was squirrely. He was here stute. Oh, he was rough. I was worried for her a little bit. <laughs> could go south really quickly which is funny because like kelly fucks the most in in the show which is to be expected since she was a sexualized character i married with children but i feel like that that convict fuck scene is really just there because it's like they got to the end of it and they're like wait she only she masturbated once she (laughs) fucked once like that's it that's all we got out of our kelly character no let's tag one more on at the end where she fucks a convict and that was really there for the uh just to set up the gag at the end, which is another married with children trope. Yeah. Gags in porn have, you know, like it's a great double entendre. I do want to say, I feel like a real missed opportunity that Peg Bundy didn't do what you would think she would do. Her name is Peg. I was very disappointed that that sex scene with Al was so vanilla. I do think it's kind of sweet, though, that the one person that Al does have sex with is his wife. I mean, that's fairly consistent and also married with children. Mm-hmm. It seems like, you know, they would rag on each other, but they were always faithful to each other. This is true. So. Well, I think he he probably would if women would give him the time of day. I think there's plenty of times where Fair enough. they're like, and so that was something that was not played up a lot was the idea that Al, although he is... I guess all of that kind of comes through with the with the shoe store rival where he's kind of like cucked by proxy in the other guy fucking in front of him and shit like that as opposed to you know being rejected by hot women which was a, a common trope on married with children. By the way, I know that this is in the 80s and 90s. I'm curious what the surveillance system was at the time in the stores <laughs> where headquarters was just oblivious to employees fucking out in the showroom. I feel like there's some creative license because also in the television show, that was in a mall. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like there was like even a door to close. Like it was just kind of like opened up into the like atrium of the mall. So if homie was just raw dogging this rando chick uh, who he, I guess I've never really looked into this, but like, like the, the concept of <laughs> Spanish fly, like, like, is that just a myth? Cause like, that was like a common trope in, in movies in the eighties that were like before my time. But the idea of like girls get really horny if you give them this pill kind of uh, eventually sort of 
what I assumed was gave way to the dark reality that you can roofie people and, and they are more pliant. Yeah, it felt more like an MDMA in terms of getting girls more excited because it wasn't like they got in this yeah. interpretation. The girls were just getting all it was like it was like a, a the little blue pill for a lady. You know what I mean? Exactly. Versus, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more like Molly. It was like MDMA versus Rufifidol, where it's like they just kind of they were out. Don't say anything if you want it. Stay real still if you want it. <laughs> exactly. So for our audience, just to give them context, yes, yes. L's colleague aka competitor would give these women a pill and then immediately the women after having that pill would want to have sex with him how quickly does mdma hit i mean it depends but usually 20 30 sometimes 40 minutes it's not immediate yeah yeah it's one of those things that uh you are tempted to double dose and, yeah. and only and only and only fools don't write it out it's it much much like that edible that you might take now oh. that weed is legal Trust the process. Wait it out. Don't don't take more because you don't feel it. I uh, I lost a few days of my life doing that many years ago. <laughs> just woke it'll, up. A, it'll happen. Woke up a few days later. <laughs> yeah. It struck me just you know, and, and it was under the guise of this to have this mint. This is the best mint I've ever tasted. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Which is funny because really it only materially had the effect of porn actresses not trying to act anymore <laughs> in a conventional sense and instead just kind of going through what they do best and banging people. It was like it was like as if you had taught a singer to be in a movie and then all you had to do was feed her a mint and she'd just start singing. Like it was just like it was almost like a a call to bring out the natural quality of your talent. So Selena with mints. <laughs> oh, oh i'm dear. so glad you said that i actually brought that movie up a couple of months ago and i was talking to a, a kid who's younger than me and he's like uh, selena and i'm like get out of here i can't oh, i can't talk to you i can't uh, talk to you but i feel like i have no more thoughts on the film overall kind of shocked everybody played their part as well as they did yeah. shocked they had a budget if anything and that they actually had a script I have but one complaint. Please. One of the running gags in Married with Children is that like most broke down men of a certain age, Al Bundy fetishizes his youth. And specifically, the one time that he scored four touchdowns in one game at his high school, if there was one thing I was dead, dead sure of, was that in the porn parody of Married with Children, you've got a million different ways you could do it, but at some point it was going to be Al Bundy saying that he did four things in one session, a million puns you could make, and yet by the end of it, no references to four touchdowns in one game. So as faithful as everything was to the source material, uh, I, I will unfortunately have to reserve giving it the highest possible review only because they were four touchdowns in one game reference away from said lofty heights. Did you know Ed O'Neill was actually signed by the Denver Broncos briefly and has a black belt in jujitsu? I did know that. No, a, a, a legit badass of a human. Uh, well then. Which is funny because after Al Bundy, nobody really wanted to see him play a tough guy. Like, like <laughs> they just wanted him as kind of a sad sack when in reality, like, He's a, a legit badass motherfucker. It, it's it's only because he's such a great actor that he could play, you know, the the ultimate schmo. 
I think he should be the next James Bond. I said it. There. <laughs> mm-hmm. Little 007 action. Oh, also, God. I guess now that I think about it, it was he was famous, Al Bundy was famous for, for this stance where he would yep. put his hand in his pants. Like that was like the sign that he had like, like uh, uh, arrived for the day. Uh, we didn't really get a shot of that either or, or oh, any true. kind of, but the actor who did play Al Bundy was, he was operating above his acting skill level. He was, he was having the performance of a lifetime for his range to do an Al Bundy impression. And I appreciated the commitment to his effort. I agree. I'm going to give this a solid B plus good stamp. So, uh, TGOM listeners, if you want to see a good married with children parody, it exists. Not married with children, triple X. Go watch it. I, I have no referral codes to give you. So, <laughs> if you ever wanted to see what a rotary phone looks like, look no further than on the bedstand. I think in Kelly's room. No, no, not Kelly's yeah. room. I think it was. I know it's an Al. Hey, and Pe- it's Al in Al and Peggy's room. Yeah. yeah. Do we know when? Oh, when was this made? When was this parody made? Two thousand nine. Holy shit! Really? Yeah, it's vintage. I guess like is that like. At a point where those were were making a little bit more money, and they were just like like running through all these classics. Like, did they also do like a like an I Love Lucy and and uh, just shoot me parody in in the same year or something? Like, and the honeymooners, yeah, just uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there was definitely a height of porn parodies between the nineties and early aughts. And then I, I want to say this was towards the late end of it, uh, because after that, once we get into the teens in the early 2000s, uh, because of lack of budget and people paying for porn, that's why we don't really have these big sets anymore and big productions. So that's why no. I really overall, when I watched this, I, uh, the fact that like I could hear decent sound quality from scene to scene was already a shocker. And I know for most people who watch films, that is not a surprise. But when you watch enough poorly done porns, yeah, yeah, it stands out. I was a set dresser for years in my like my late teens, early twenties, so I really do take note of the set and just even you know any sort of decor. And it was it was done very well. I mean, it actually looked like their home. It was passable. If if anything, it was like it was so good that I was able to notice where it's like oh, so they don't have money to do the backyard and they didn't have money to do the door that would be leading down mm-hmm. to Bud's room in the basement. But that, that is a sign of how good it was that it was like you had the negative space there that if you, if you remembered the show, you were able to pick out what wasn't there. Look, just like Al Bundy's wages, they didn't have much to work off. <laughs> no, but uh, an admirable effort. I give it an A minus. It would have had an A plus if they would have done a four touchdowns in one game joke. That was, that's pretty much all I wanted. I give it a B. If there were uh, if Peggy did some pegging, I probably would have given it a little bit higher mark because <laughs> I just I feel like it's just on the nose. But I, I really liked it as as far as the ones we've seen. The acting was great. Can we talk about the Peggy character for two seconds? I don't care about like awesome. Peggy the porn character, but just like Peggy as an existential character. Yeah, the fact that. You know, in the sitcom, the normal sitcom, you know, she marries this guy, you know, shotgun wedding out of high school because she got pregnant and she feels like she's better than she is and marries, uh, well, in her mind, this loser who works at a shoe store, watches Oprah daytime soaps all day, does nothing to contribute, doesn't have a job, 
dresses, you know, sexy, but doesn't do shit. It's, she is the type of person that frustrates me, I've realized. Like, I hate the character of Peggy so much because it's like, you could have work ethic, you could make money, and you do nothing. I mean, yes, and why are you such a hater? (laughs) (laughs) This is also a testament to what education and uh, getting rid of childhood pregnancy. You know, we were just talking about those teens that get pregnant on those shows. The only way they can survive is to do some crappy reality show to scrape by. You know what I mean? So this is why women that, you know, unfortunately have, and not always the case, that's for sure, but get pregnant very early on, don't have access to education. I'm going to sound like a real anthropologist right now, so forgive me. And this is what kind of creates this sort of institutional poverty and also uh, apparently gives you big hair, bosoms, and uh, an affinity for leopard print. I don't know. but um, Exactly. And bonbons. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for, for, for as much as Peggy is very much a caricature of... I would say probably not not exactly uh, forward thinking feminist thought, <laughs> if not out and out uh, uh, retrograde ideas. What Gloria Steinem never would <laughs> pair herself with Peggy Bundy? I'm shocked. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that this one was Steinem approved. But <laughs> uh, where I will argue for Peggy as a forward thinking female character is that much like Roseanne she was clearly smarter and funnier than her husband. She was somebody that always was the intellectual better of Al. And if anything, and this really is like, you know, kind of damning with faint praise, but like was almost in the arc of the show thought to be smarter, that she was kind of like a queen of a colony that could deputize a drone to bring back sustenance to the colony. <laughs> like that she was, she was like smart to not work because she didn't have to, because even if the money was meager, she got the lion's share of it. So again, not exactly anything that's going to be yeah. studied in a, in, 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 in a women's studies class or get a breakdown on Jezebel. But like for the time, Certainly something that that was a role that that Katie Segal, who has gone on to show exactly oh how God. amazing of a of a performer she is, uh, really sank her teeth into because Peggy was often the funniest part of that show. Yeah. No, and also I think what she was incredibly sex positive. I mean, obviously Kelly was sex positive in a way where, you know, it was controversial because obviously she's a teenager, she's a kid, you know, but Peggy was like, I want to get laid. You know what I mean? And she yes. put it out there. She was, she could have be whiny, yes, uh, demanding, absolutely, but also just spoke her mind and was like not afraid to just say like, bone me now, make it happen. She's also yeah. a hell of a singer, by the way. Katie Seagal? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember going, uh, again, just growing up here in Los Angeles, she like sang at some barbecue. And I remember being like, that's Peg Bundy. <laughs> like, I was like 11 years old and I was just like, what is happening? But she's just like, she's such a multi-talented person. And She had a show debut like this year too. Like she's still doing it, which, which yeah. actually made me wonder. It's always made me wonder because she's always played... Like, I feel like she's been middle-aged my entire life because Peg Bundy is is a middle-aged character. But it's like, I guess she just aged up for that role. I I don't know how old she was when she played it, but I I don't even dare. I don't dare guess, nor do I dare guess to guess whether or not the IMDb age of any actress is is accurate. But 
Well, it says she's 67. So if we're going to do the math here, and I'm terrible at math, um, you guys are better at math because you were doing math earlier. Let's see, 1987 is... 30 years ago, basically. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So she, I mean, she was about the age that she would have been. Holy shit. She's damn near 70. Yeah, she's down. Yeah, she's 67. The show she was in, I think, was like an action show like this year. Like, she so. She is babely. I'm looking at pictures of oh, right my now. God. She is just babely. She looks, I mean, she's just stunning. I think. I mean, uh, insanely talented, but I mean, I, I feel the same way when I walk, like, you know, see what, what Grace, Frankie and Grace. When I see um, yeah. Jane, um, Jane my bra- Fonda, my brain is, yeah. And Lily Tomlin, I mean, they both look fantastic, but um, I like that 40, cause I, you know, being 42 and being an, I was an actress for years, you know, like growing yeah. up, like, you know, thinking the, reti- you know, basically hang it up when you're 40. It's like, people are just starting now or getting, you know, theirs in their forties as women, which is pretty exciting. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, damn. Cause it used to be, you know, you could be the, the love interest or you could be the mom, but there mm-hmm. was that gulf like of like, all right, well you have to sit on the bench for 10 years yeah. before you go from like ingenue. Yeah. Mom. Right. Or character or character. It's ingenue or character yeah. actor, mom. Cause that was what I was yeah, told. That's was it. If we make you uglier, we're going to go character. <laughs> Cause I had a manager who talked to me about this. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh he was God. like, yeah. If we are comparing acting to porn, which we have this entire mm-hmm. uh, thing, you have to salute the porn industry in that there is a very quick, there is almost <laughs> no membrane between teen and MILF. Like that is. <laughs> Look, if you're wearing a pink shirt, you're a teen. That's <laughs> it. Come on. Pink shirt, teen, like, you know, blue shirt and jeans, like you're a MILF, but you can never stop working. Like, like you could go, like there is, there is a seamless journey between the two. Like you're, you're, you're not, you're not going to skip a weekend. You know what I realized? Uh, I always associate pigtails with babysitter. You never see pigtails on a MILF. Mm-mm. No. When is there going to be a progressive MILF who breaks this trend? I mean, I mean, we know people. I feel like that's a little high concept. We really for porn. do. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. In a world without limits. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mrs. Brady. Exactly. Mm. So, but but then the teens also have to have you know very very long flowing hair and like a sports bra or something like that. I'm trying to think of milf tropes, but like that maybe that would be mom jeans. <laughs> Oh, a Freaky Friday parody. Maybe you could do that. That's where you could see it happen. Mm. Well, considering now, like, the mom jeans are back for the young crew, is it really Freaky Friday, or have they just adopted our older style? Fucking Zoomers killed Freaky Friday. Fucking (laughs) children. (laughs) Sons of bitches. Mom jeans don't look good on anybody. You could be a... A super soaker supermodel, and do you think there are super soaker models? Super supermodel soakers? No, I would. I no. would say, look, they make I mean, they like, make hot girls in Salt Lake City. Look, everything I learned about Utah was against my will. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will say this: Salt Lake City is a cool town. I actually really like Salt Lake City. I've lived there for a month. It was boring. <laughs> Well, compared to New York, compared to well, no, see that's dodging feces in San Francisco. You were there. You were there for a month. 
I always, when I traveled a lot for business, I would always kind of categorize cities as like 24 hour cities, 48 hour cities, or like week or more cities. Cause if you've got more than 48 hours, then you probably have enough for a week or so. I would say Salt Lake City, I would say it's cooler than you would expect, but that means that I'm saying it's a 48 hour city. Mm. Like there's enough to do for 48 hours. Now, just to be clear, it's not a 24 hour city in which stuff is open for 24 hours because oh, when I had no. a flat tire, no, no, no it no, is no, not. No, no. Cause I had a flat no, no. tire at 5.45 in the afternoon and no one was open. What day? Was it Sunday? On a Wednesday. Wow. Notorious lazy asses, the Mormons. No one. <laughs> Everybody was jump humping. Yep. The whole exactly. Town. By the way, didn't know that Joseph Smith, uh, you know, one of the, the leadership mm -hmm. of the, the original Mormon. Yeah, yeah one the, of the, the prophets. Dude. Yeah. Didn't know he died by uh, being assassinated because he was like coveting some of his friend's wives. So they shot him dead. Yeah, that was a thing. It's pretty metal. Like the Mormon stuff wow. is pretty metal. It, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I guess this is really just the entire plot of the Book of Mormon. But like uh, it is it is really kind of <laughs> cool to see how ridiculous. Uh, well, or just recent. I don't want to say ridiculous. because It's ridiculing people's religion. But like no, we, we can ridicule religion on this podcast. I'm not. I'm not worried about doing it. I'm just. I don't know. Do you really think you're gonna get Mormon hate mail after this? I don't think I'm gonna get Mormon hate mail. I. I, I do. It's just easy. It's just like we are you not know, about to respecting the... people on the show. <laughs> I mean, look. I respected the uh, uh, feminist archetype of Peggy Bundy. So you can respect that. Not a not a silly belief, which is written on like fake tablets. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know, what is it, a silly belief written on fake tablets when you really think about it? Fair enough. We can come up with our own. Um, I did come up with a bad, uh, when they were, I, I always prepare when I do my notes for this show to go through the whole thing and have jokes okay. for the whole yep. gosh darn thing. And like when they were talking, remember when he's, uh, so basically there's a, at the time when the stripper's there and getting blown by God knows who and stripping Marcy and yeah. whatnot. Um, and, and I was like, yeah, they're probably reading the Bible. So I came up with, you know, the book of hand job, uh, Leviticox, Ooh. Exodix, and <laughs> the book of Horman. I mean, like, I just, I, that's I, good. Yeah. That's I mean, good. they're absolutely terrible. Uh, I should be put on a, piece of ice and float like float out it no 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 you could see. definitely get an avn for the book of Horman, just the title okay thank you I so much people have, so we're gonna work on that i also came up i do want to bring up a science fact real quickly because i i do you remember the the stripper who had the uh, amazing uh, elephant trunks he had literally yes. drunk it yeah tommy was so tommy with the was elephant so trunk panties panties yeah. undies uh al undies would have been a good uh porn name by the way um I'm, I'm bringing out all the terrible puns, but I immediately thought, you know, he's pachyderming some heat. But also, I just want to talk about the, the penis of elephants, guys. It's prehensile. I don't know if you know what that means, but it can be manipulated uh, much it like can pick a, things up. Mm -hmm. <gasps> yeah. So no. I'm not saying that Mr. Tommy Wiseau, Glenn Danzig had a prehensile penis, but I'm not saying he, he didn't. So I just want to maybe that's why Marcy seemed to have. That's why there was that one scene where he had both of his hands above his head, and yet he was still juggling an apple. Hey. So, uh, Googling elephant penises. Mm -hmm. God, I should not be doing this on my work computer. Eh. How long can an elephant penis get? Um, I'm trying to figure that out. So, 
But you're right, they can wrap around objects and pick them up. Jesus Christ. In some cases, they can be bigger than an entire human being. But how do they quantify an entire human being? How tall is that person? Mm -hmm. I would guess you'd probably just go with the smallest human being to ever live. Two feet? Yeah, but that could be a child. Well, no, I mean, fully grown person, I would guess. I don't know. I'm not here to judge elephant dicks. But but if I were to try to, to quantify it, I would say that's a good measuring stick. Or you could just use a measuring stick now that I think about mm, it. You don't really good, even yeah. need a metaphor. No, it's true. Average elephant penis size. Well, dear God, I'm sorry for my Google search history. Um, can be six feet on average. Okay. That's bigger than this human being. <laughs> that would have come in handy for quarantine. I just need you to stand an elephant's yeah. dicks distance away from me. Okay, guys? Just an That's elephant it. Yeah. dicks distance away. I would have been a good nomenclature. I should know this, but I don't know if they have a baculum, which is for the people at home that probably have heard me on the show before. That is the penis bone. Bacula, like Scott Bacula, is the plural version. Elephant baculum? The average weight of one is 59.5 pounds with testicles at 4.4 pounds each. That's a dick. That's a hell of a dick. Hey, Cheers to you, elephants. Elephants do not have a baculum. Well, tell you what, I got something they don't. So good good for me. <laughs> Baculum's for the win. No, no, you don't have a baculum. I don't? No, wait, hold on. Maybe Justin does. <laughs> wait, I thought you said it was a penis bone. Yeah, it's a boner with a bone. So basically it's a bone that slips into the dick when at, at the time in which you want to have some rigidity up in there. It's uh, most non-human primates have them. Uh, spider monkeys, oh. humans, and howlers do not. Do you? Ha but I, I always say I can't speak no, for everyone. No, I don't. I was mostly just trying to go off your research, oh. but uh, it turns out me and I'm back on your side, elephants. Two peas <laughs> in a pod, baculumless wieners swinging in the breeze. <laughs> Congrats! I like how the third search for elephant penis is. Uh, on Urban Dictionary, whoever searches this term has serious mental issues. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. God, I mean. Congrats, audience. Woo! This is the show you get, not the show you ask for. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was important to cover this. You know this. You know what? You're right. Um, and I, I figured elephants would come into play here. And this is my fault for coming less prepared to the episode than I should be on elephant cock. So... Well, uh, hopefully it's a lesson that you've learned and you won't repeat. And uh, <laughs> that's all we can do in life is just, uh, you know, try to fit the lessons that we gather in the elephant penis of our brain. <laughs> try not to literally fit one here, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Justin, where can our audience find more of you? Well, if you are a fan of comedy, then you can find my podcast, Great Night, which happens once a week with my buddy, Brian Brushwood. If you like politics, you can find my political podcast, Politics, 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 uh, wherever you find podcasts. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, Justin R. Young is where you do so. Awesome. Uh, by the way, you guys can find a full episode of the show over at patreon.com slash two girls one mic, as well as please support the show because we don't have sponsors. We just work it off human donations and your reviews. So please tell your friends, family, and or your elephants that listen to us because elephants remember. And they'll probably remember my comments about the elephant dicks. But uh, 
<laughs> Natalia, where can our listeners find you? Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, Googling elephant dicks, apparently. Um, no, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Natalia13Reagan. And uh, I also am on John Fugel saying show every so often. I do a segment called Shit You Just Can't Say. I also, you can find my podcast, uh, Star Talk All Stars. I did uh, for Neil deGrasse Tyson's network on a lot of anthropology themes topics, including Neanderthal Nookie. Love talking about Neanderthal sex. So you can Google that and find that. And if you want to take a biological anthropology class at Lehman College, I teach that too. So come on down. Awesome. I won't be talking about any of this stuff that we just talked about. I listened to that one <laughs> podcast professor after class. <laughs> yeah. Dear God. All right, guys, you can find the show at all places at TGM Podcast. But please, if you can't donate to Patreon, tell your friends, your family, your pastor, your person you're passing on your street about the show. Leave us a comment, a like, review. That's all we care about. Uh, and tweet at us or something. But we'll see you also next week. So subscribe and tune in. Bye-bye. Bye bye.